Hey guys, so public speaking 101, go off script as early as possible, right? <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's not what you're supposed to do, but we worship a God that sometimes goes off script a little bit, some things happen that you don't expect to happen. And um, you know, usually, maybe you came here today expecting Pastor Daniel to be up here. Well, surprise, you've got me. So um, I have big shoes to fill up here, but Pastor Daniel, is you know, a great pastor, communicator, speaker, and he cultivates us every Sunday as he processes what God is doing in his life and in his family, and he shares that with us. But even when you're up front up here, sometimes you know, you're not exempt from hard things happening, so it rains on the just and the unjust. And as you guys might have been following, um, you know, his, his sister has been sick with cancer and uh, she just passed away this weekend. So um, I kinda wanna take a time before we get in to what I have prepared to just um, serve our pastor by saying a prayer for him. Um, it's so hard in ministry to be pouring out, pouring out, pouring out, and then we need to be poured into too. So uh, you know, he may not meet with you for a counseling session over this, but here's how you can serve him is by taking a second to pray for him, so I'll lead us in prayer. God, thank you so much for Pastor Daniel and his family. Um, I pray that as they go into a difficult week, that'll be difficult months, that'll be difficult years, that you can just, we can see healing in his life. And I pray that you allow him to lead and guide, not just his, his close family, but his also extended family. God, as they, they lean on someone in a confusing, difficult time. God, um, I pray that you just fill them with your spirit and uh, give them the strength and wisdom to do whatever you call them to do. In your name we pray, amen. So a few weeks ago, I was out in the lobby and Jordan pulled me aside and he said, hey, I got this cool idea. Your wife is going to record an audio and introduce you. And as any like loving, flawed husband would feel, I was a little nervous about that. But Kelly, it could have been a lot worse. So good job. She didn't like talk about like the dirty dishes or the, the things around the house I need to get done. So you just stuck to the good stuff. I, I like that. Um, it, this Sunday is kind of weird for me because this is not my normal routine whatsoever. Usually I'm like hiding in the darkness back there, but like now I'm up here sweating through my shirt. So if you can just like pray for me, like I take all the prayers that I could get, that would be awesome. Um, I appreciate the opportunity to come here and speak from Pastor Daniel and the staff at the church because you know we've had so many quality speakers and communicators up here and it was just encouraging that they would even think to ask me. And, and even to give me the leash that they gave me, I asked, I said, well, what do you want me to talk about? And they're like, you can talk about whatever you wanna talk about. And I was like, well, that's good because I know exactly what I wanna talk about. I, I'm passionate about a few things, but I'm super passionate about this one thing um, that I'm gonna be sharing about today. Um, you know, Pastor Daniel often talks about like, we, get, we don't give to the church, we give through the church, right? You've heard him say that before. And, and sometimes that's vague, like you don't always see that happening, but this is what that looks like. Like I'm a beneficiary of your giving through the church. Um, I'm on staff with a ministry called Crew, which is a, basically a, a big missions organization. And of all the places that I could go, I work at Moorhead State. And um, basically we win students to Christ build them up in their faith, and send them out to have a mission of their own. I came here from Pike County in 2010, pretty much got on campus, left for a year, came back, and have been here 
ever since. So for nearly a decade, um, we've been serving uh, college students here in Round County. And uh, here's kind of what that looks like, um, some pictures. Um, this year has actually been the best year of my personal ministry. Uh, it, in years, I mean, this is the same with any job. Some years are better than others. Some years are just personally better than others. This year, like, I feel like I brought my fishes and loaves to Jesus and he has just multiplied them. Um, th this is a Bible study, a bunch of guys. If you know anything about Moorhead State, Moorhead State is 70% girls and 40% guys. And it, it's just hard to get guys to come out and they just came out of the woodwork. So these guys here on the right, for the most part, uh, like I connect with them weekly or bi-weekly just to talk about life and spiritual things. And uh, this Bible study, we actually had to split up into two groups the next semester. So we have students leading those two studies. And go to the next slide for us. Um, this is a picture of our fall getaway. So there's so many good things you could get involved in in college, whether that's like a fraternity or, or this organization or insert this thing. But we just pitched the idea of like, what would it look like to walk with Jesus and have a legacy on campus after you graduate? And it's through this vein of discipleship, 2 Timothy 2.2, what I've entrusted to you, teach faithful men capable of teaching others also. It's very one-on-one, -on -one, very small group focused. Uh, this guy here on your right, his name is Stone, and he's from Knott County. And uh, he came to our men's steak night in August. And he was very new to walking with the Lord. He was a believer, but he was like, I don't know what to do with my life. And, and we got to connect. And he was immediately like, students looked up to him. He was like our only senior that was around. And um, it, he actually got to cap off his senior year by going with me to Central Asia. He skipped his graduation. I, I did not ask him to do that. He was just like, I, I wanna go. I, I wanna be about this thing called the Great Commission, which we're gonna talk about here in just a second. And over the course of the nine years that we've been in ministry, we've seen God send soldiers to Virginia, FBI agents to Dayton, pastors to Augusta, accountants to Floyd County, missionaries to Central Asia, and actually we've seen God bring an executive administrator right here to Better Life. And I'm gonna embarrass her and throw some pictures, uh, but uh, this is Sadie. And uh, yeah, so Sadie, yep, I'll give her a round of applause. She, this church would fall apart without Sadie. I don't know how they made it for like 13 or 15 years before Sadie came here on staff, but she holds this place together. And every time she walks up here with her microphone and she shares like, hey guys, here's what the church is doing right now, come to this event, I just swell with pride because like she started, she started in our ministry. I remember when she was a freshman, it was really cool. Um, yeah, so in my job, I have the opportunity to like grow and cultivate college students. And I feel like college students can infuse life into any group they're a part of. They're, they're like balls of energy, am I right? Like if we looked and we saw like 30 college students here, I feel like you guys would put a pep in your step, right? And similarly, I feel like in a healthy way, I'm playing with fire. I have this opportunity to like mold and push and direct energy to a direction. Now, you know, I, I can choose like a political cause. I can be like, you know, this political cause, like I'm gonna, I'm gonna direct this energy to that. All my political opinions are correct and good. No, I'm just kidding, obviously. Um, and you know, this would be a good thing to like make college students aware of. Or I could find this like hole in the economic market and I can like convince these students, hey, if we do this thing, we're gonna make a lot of money. You know, that would be good, right? Well, as a believer, 
I don't have the luxury of choosing my own mission. Think about that. You, as a believer, do not have the luxury of choosing what your life will be about. And you know, that, that's good because you'd screw it up. When we look at scripture, it calls Jesus the author and perfecter of our faith. So it'd be best to look to scripture to see like, where do you fit in to this thing called life? And it's wild, the thing, crazy thing about the Bible is you know, a lot of us have grown up with the Bible, so it's like almost like second nature. It's like that book that sits on our bedside. It's the stories we, we read when we were growing up. And, and the Bible is actually 66 books written over the course of thousands of years in three languages that tell one story. I know that's a wild thought. How can all those, how can that criteria fit into one story? And I think the one story is what we're about. And I think in this one story, you're gonna find your mission. Because maybe I say that and you're like, oh yeah, I've read the Bible, I know exactly what Patrick's talking about. Maybe you're thinking, I've read the Bible my whole life and I don't know the mission of what you're talking about. Or maybe you just came in today and you're like, I'm just trying to figure this whole thing out and I don't have any clue about the Bible. Well, I'm glad everyone is here, because I pray that this is what's gonna happen. There was a time that I was a kid, and someone pulled me outside, and they pointed at the sky, and it was a, it was a clear night, and what do you see on a clear night? You see stars, right? But then they pulled me aside, and they said, you see if you connect that star to that star, to that star, to that star, that's not, it's not just stars anymore, it's the Big Dipper. So now, 30, I'm 32, and every time I look at the sky, what do I see? The Big Dipper. I cannot unsee the Big Dipper. And I pray that as I, I kind of tease out this mission, every time you read scripture, you'll see the mission. And I, I'm just gonna start in, in Genesis. That seems like a good place to start. You got the story of Adam and Eve, where God created heaven and earth, and he created his people. He said, God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds of the sky and over every, every living creature that moves on the ground. Here's the mission, here's the story that gets set in scripture. God created people to multiply over the face of the earth so that he would have an entire planet of people worshiping and giving glory to himself because he is the best thing. You see this play out in the story of Noah when things kind of go awry and God wants to start all over. He gives the same man mandate, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. So then you have Noah and then the multiplication starts. That's one thing we as humanity are pretty good at. We're pretty good at multiplying. It's the, it's the mission that we sometimes forget about. And in in the story of the Tower of Babel, people come together. They say, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that, that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the earth. Do you know what we call that? Direct disobedience. God says go, whole earth, and we say we would rather stay right here you know, over the course of 
Scripture, this is, a, this is a climactic moment because you could also title this, in the t- instead of calling this the Tower of Babel story, you could call this the birth of nations. Because think about this, he didn't just create an infinite number of languages, he created a certain number of languages. So let's say you're hanging out here with your guys and you're, you know, you're building your you know, tower and all of a sudden you can't understand the people you're hanging out with, but you look over there and you're like, oh, that makes sense. You come over here, you're hanging out, so now these are your people, and you have kids, and you have a family, and this is the beginning of culture. This is the birth of the nations, and when I use the word nations, um, a lot of times in, in the Greek translation is the word ethnos, and that's where we get our English word ethnic group or cultural group, and that's important when you think like, like Cherokee nation. It doesn't mean there's like a precise country, but it means it's a cultural group. Or you think of like India. India is one country, but there are 10,000 ethnic groups in India. And that all goes back to this birth of nations. So God looked at all these nations and there was no nation to represent God. So he took one man and he promised him a family that would become a nation, and that's Abraham. But what, what's the point? Like, why did Jesus, why did God do that? Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing and I will bless those who bless those and whoever curses you, I will curse and all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. What was the purpose of God's chosen people, it was to be a blessing to the nations. My, my little girl, she's all about Moses right now. We just introduced her to that old cartoon movie, The Prince of Egypt, and her favorite part is when the, um, you know, the parting of the Red Sea, right? And why did God part the Red Sea through Moses? Well, it says here, I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will pursue them, but I, this is God speaking, will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and his army, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. The purpose of Moses splitting the sea is that the Egyptians would know that God is the God. You have the story of David and Goliath. That's a popular story. Um, you know, I, I kind of thought David and Goliath was more of a sports story. When, I come, when it comes to March Madness, I'm trying to figure out the David and Goliath matchups, but that's not really the purpose. Like, God didn't have March Madness in mind when David set out to f- defeat Goliath. David looked at the Philistine and he said, this day the Lord will hand you over to me and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. Today, I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth and this, this is why, the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. That's the purpose of, the, of the David and Goliath. You are not David, it's not like your problems are David. Goli- the Goliath is reaching the nations. Daniel had, or David had a son, and that son was Solomon. What's Solomon known for? His wisdom. Well, why was he so wise? Men of all nations came to listen to Solomon's wisdom, sent by all the kings of the world who had ever heard of his wisdom. God made Solomon wise so the nations would come and be blessed by Solomon's wisdom. 
You have the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and we know that three men get thrown into a fiery furnace, but, but a pre-incarnate Jesus comes and saves the day, and this pagan king peeks his way through the furnace, and he sees four people, and he says, it looks like the Son of God is in there, and he begins praising the God of Israel, and he says, I issue a decree that, he says, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who hath, who hath sent his angel and delivered his servants that trusted in him and have changed the king's word and yielded their bodies that they might not serve or worship any God except for their own. This pagan king worshiped God. Daniel in the lion's den, a similar story of, a, of an obedient man that trusted God but ended up being persecuted for it well, this other pagan king goes on and says this, I issue a decree that in every part of the kingdom, people must fear and give reverence to the God of David, for he is the living God and endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. He has rescued David from the power of the lions. This is a pagan king. I know I've said that a hundred times, but wrap, wrap your head around that. God is is using story and using people to infuse in to the lives of people that are far away from God. We get into the New Testament. The star of the New Testament is, comes onto the scene, which is Jesus. And imagine, you know, if you had a little nativity set up here, I'd have my shepherds, I'd have my donkey, and I'd have my wise men, right? Well, let me ask you a question. Where did the wise men come from? the east. Is this East Jerusalem? No, this is like the east, maybe like Central Asia, like pretty far off, like not Jerusalem, not Israel. And they came to usher in the new king. Jesus goes on and when he starts his public ministry and he proclaims that he's the Messiah, he goes and speaks to the woman at the well. But she's not just any woman, she's a Samaritan woman. It wasn't even right that Jesus spoke to her, but he crossed a culture to pursue her. This is an interesting story here because when I was growing up, I was taught that, I was taught that when Jesus chased out the money changers from the temple, the takeaway is that there's righteous anger. There, there's some things that you can be righteously angry over. And that's true, you know, that's true. But have we ever stopped to think like, what made Jesus so righteously angry that our God would literally whip people into shape and, and push them out of the temple? Well, I didn't, this blew my mind when I learned this. There's actually two sections of the ancient temple. There was one section for Jews to go worship God, and there was another section for Gentiles to go worship, the, the nations, the every other ethnic group. And the money changers, these people in the market, they didn't set up in the Jewish area, they set up in the Gentile area. That means if you don't look like us, you don't have a direct access to God, is what it, it seemed like. And that made Jesus so angry that he made that whip and chased them out. And it, it's wild to me because I've read this verse, but I forgot these three words. He was, is it not written, 
My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations, for all nations. But you have made it a den of robbers. And finally, the, the climax of God's heart for the nation, the, the, the one verse that like, I, I, I hand to college students and I, and I wanna hand to you, I, I want you to imagine this situation. Jesus was a human being. The eternal God was poured out into an individual person with a limited number of days on this earth. He talked about caring for the widow and orphan. He talked about giving to the poor. He talked about so many good things. But there was a moment that he had the last opportunity to share with his disciples. And this is what he said. All authority under heaven and earth has been given to me. Go and make disciples of all nations, every ethnic group, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Behold, I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. He gave his disciples a mission and a promise. The mission, just like I shared before, all the ethnic groups in the world, he said, go reach all of them. Go share the gospel with all of them. But he also gave a promise. All authority in their heaven and earth has been given to me. He made the promise that God holds all the nations in his hand. They already belong to him. And as we go, as we, as we pursue, as we, as we seek these people who are far off from God, Jesus is with us. He's the spearhead that gets us to every nation. Because we worship a God that is a pursuing God. Now, you may be sitting here thinking, like, I want mission, but I don't feel like I have mission because I don't have a relationship with Jesus. And just like he's been pursuing all these nations since the dawn of humanity, I believe he's pursuing you right here. I think God wants a relationship with you more than you even want a relationship with God. But here's the problem. We're messed up. We're imperfect. We're off the foundation. And when we ha we're off the foundation, we find ourselves out of step with God and therefore we find ourselves separated from God. And when Jesus came to earth and he died for your sins, he paid the penalty for your sin. And you can actually know today that you have a relationship with Jesus by putting your faith in Jesus. Faith is just trust. It's saying I trust that I, I've, I have done bad things and God is my only hope of salvation. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, for it is by grace, for it is by this undeserved gift, you have been saved through faith. And this is not of yourselves, it's a gift from God, not by works so that anyone can boast. And that's what separates following Jesus from every other religion. It's, it's not a list of things that you have to do. It's that Jesus did the things you have to do and he graciously gives that to us. And 
there's a verse here. Every single believer, every single follower of Jesus accepted this call. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my soul, my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Every one of you who are followers of Jesus have answered the call to find rest. The church has often been called a hospital for broken people. And it 100% is. If you're here and you're broken, this is the place that you would wanna be. But it's more than that. The church is a family. It's a family that you can get plugged into, you can grow, you can develop, you can mature. But it's more than that. The church is also an army that is on mission, that's taking the mountain, that's going a direction. And as we trust Jesus and walk with him, we can actually grow into the people that we wanna be. We, we can grow our families into the families generationally that we want them to be. And I know so far everything I've talked about is pretty big picture, right? It's way up here. It's like, how do you, sitting in your chair, have an effect on what God's doing in the world? Well, there's three ways that you can do that. You can pray, you can give, and you can go. John Piper calls prayer a wartime walkie-talkie. Sometimes we mistake prayer as in just like calling up God, hey God, hey Daddy God, just wanna talk to you. But like, prayer is like the walkie-talkie of like, God, I, I, I'm in the battle right now, send reinforcements, like, like you're, it's a dire situation here. We have the chance to use that walkie-talkie. But admittedly, like a lot of times we don't get trained on how to pray. Like, has anyone done that for you? Has anyone just like took you under their wing and be like, hey, I know praying's hard. So like, let's talk about what it looks like to actually pray. No, they just kind of say, go pray. And I, this is not a perfect tool, but I, I got this little paper in your seat and I, I wanna be in the, in the heart surgery business. I wanna transplant your heart to the nations. That's my goal. And when you see these two pictures right here, and it may, things I say from up front or you see up here may look different for security reasons. What you're holding is secure information. So this goes without saying, don't put this online or anything like that. Two of my friends, Tim and Sarah, I just got the chance to hang out with Tim and Sarah in Central Asia. This summer, I got the chance to watch Tim passionately share his faith with young people. He wore me out. He was like, oh, I, I gotta go talk to this person. We, we scheduled this appointment. We went to do this other thing. He's got his family. I got this chance to see his girls. And I got to see him be a dad, be a good husband to his family through a hard time. There's some prayer requests there that you could be praying for them. The other family, Cole and Ellie, Ellie was, um, she led the team that I was on going to Central Asia years ago. 
and now she's married and she's working in, if I, if I told you the Middle Eastern country that she was living in with her family of four, you'd probably be like, wait, she's living there? Both these families and countless other families that are just nameless, faceless people to you are living a life on mission because the mission is good. And it's exactly what you were created for, to be plugged in to that mission. And when we pray for them, we're, we're locking arms with a God that cares more about them than me or, or you do. He loves them. He wants to hear about his children out doing work. I got a QR code on the back. I put together a little tool to help you pray for the world. I'm gonna be sending out, that out this week. Um, if you wanna use your phone, fill out that little survey. I'll get your email and I'll, I'll shoot that out to you. Um, I've worked on it. I'm, I'm kind of excited about it. I think it should be pretty good. But it, I'll, I'll tell you how to better pray for this family and some other families that Kelly and I care about. There was a missionary that, he's called the father of modern missions. His name's William Carey. He made this quote. He said, I will descend into the pit if you hold tightly to the ropes. And, and I think as a church, as a universal church, not just Better Life Church, living in America, which, which living in America is, is the luckiest thing you could do for your financial life. No other place in the history of the world you had, have you had the opportunity to make the money that you make. <laughs> And I, I appreciate so much going to a church where we talk so much about stewardship because when I talk about money, I, I, I don't think you guys think I'm trying to like siphon that away from you. But the mission is huge. You can partner with missions by giving to your local church, by, by figuring out how I wanna steward what God has, has called me to, to steward but you can also get in on the game yourself. You, you could partner with a missionary, these two people on your card or, or countless other people. I, I want you to, where it says where your treasure is, your heart will be also. And we do that a lot of times through money. As we think about giving, sometimes we think about just being generous. And it's like, I love the animal shelter. I'm glad the animal shelter exists but I'm not giving the animal shelter 10% of my income. But I'll give it to what I think moves the ticker on taking the gospel to the world. And, and finally, go. Now, I, I look out at a room like this and I don't pretend that all of you are gonna be going internationally and crossing cultures this year, you know, or throughout your life. But I also look at a room this big and I'm like, maybe some of you should. Maybe some of you with the opportunity to go, there's, there's a girl who went on the trip that I, I led this summer and she was two years out of school. She was a nurse and she figured out her vacation time so she could go on the trip with us. You know, it, it's different for everybody. Everybody has different opportunities for that sort of thing. But if you can think about like, like a rock and you throw a rock in a pond and then you see those ripples 
physics will take those ripples to every part of that pond. So why does Better Life Church exist in Rowan County, Kentucky? It's a rock in the pond to Ashland, to other campuses, to the country, to the world. So by caring for the world, we don't forget to care about local things. God has called us to do both. You know, I, I like reading books and, and a lot of times in that first chapter, they open up, they set the stage for like the problem. And then there's like a, you know, a plan and there's trouble. But when I read the problem, I see sin. I see that, that the enemy and our own sinful heart has stopped God moving to the world. Fast forward 75% of the way through the book and then Jesus comes on the scene. He lives, he dies, he resurrects, he brings his guys in. He says, go to the world with the gospel. But I'll be honest and maybe this is just like selfish of me. Maybe I just feel like I need more. I do need more. I'm like, cause we're living in this time of the now, but the not yet. But here's the beauty of this, God gives us more. John is speaking here, this is in Revelation. This is the, he sees a future time period and he sees this. After this, I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. From every nation, every tribe, every people and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding the palm branches in their hand and they cried out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Salvation belongs to our God. Guys, we have an opportunity here. We, we, we don't have to be afraid of the end of the earth. Like we, we gotta bring about the end of the earth by sharing what God is doing in our lives to other people. And I get excited talking to you guys because I'm like, we, we get a chance to get up off our butt and do something. But at the same time, whether you sit and don't do anything or whether you go, God is gonna bring about his glory. And he gives us the opportunity to get in the game by praying, by giving, and by going. So Christians, believers, followers of Jesus, God called you to come and find rest, and you came. Now he calls you to go, what are you gonna do? pray. God, thank you so much for this opportunity to share what you're doing through the course of scripture and what you're doing in the course of humanity. And I pray that, that as for the people that are here in the church or listening online, that this hits like sweet bread that just fills them and directs them. And I pray whatever capacity of next steps that you might be calling the individual to, that, that you just fill them with your spirit and you guide them on this journey to care about what you care about. Because I, I know that as we care about what you care about, we're gonna be in closer step with you. I love you. In your name we pray.